quote a simple scripture to you. It's in Hebrews 13 and verse 8. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. So from that verse, I'll take my subject. The same yesterday. The same yesterday. This is what it says in Genesis 3, 6, and 7. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit, she did eat, gave it to her husband. The eyes of them both were opened. They knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. Adam and Eve uh, went through a process. I think it, I, I, I can't remember exactly where the verse is, but it, I, I believe it's in 1 John. It says that there are three things that are in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. When I look at three and six, I see those three temptations given to this woman. First, there was the lust of the flesh. She saw it was good for food. Then it was visual, pleasant to the eyes. And then if I eat this, I'm going to be smarter than everybody else. And so there's a pride factor that comes in there. It's interesting to note that when you study Luke chapter 4, Jesus is in the wilderness fasting for 40 days. It says, and afterward he was hungry. <laughs> I reckon so. Um, for me, it was like it wouldn't take, I wouldn't get hungry after 40 days. I'd get hungry after about half of the first day. And, um, but uh, it's interesting to me to see how Satan came to him. It said, first of all, he said, turn these rocks into bread. So he's appealing to his flesh. I know that would be a nice meal for you right now. Turn these stones into, into bread. And then it said he took him up to a high mountain and he, he showed him. He visibly showed him the kingdoms of the world. Um, I don't think he understood all of it. I'm sure Jesus did. But when you deal with the concept of the cross, Satan did not understand the concept of the cross. Um, but when he showed Jesus the kingdoms of the world, what was happening was, you can have all this without a cross. You, you don't need to die. I'll give this to you if you'll fall down and worship me. And then he said, for it has been delivered unto me. Maybe we'll deal with that a little bit later. So he tempts him to turn stones into bread for for food, the lust of the flesh. He shows him visibly all the kingdoms of the world. So that's the lust of the eyes. And then he takes him up to the highest part of the temple. And um, the, what I read, it's over 400 feet high. It's over a football field. So you're, you're dealing, I, I don't know how many stories that is, but he said, go ahead, jump off. You know you're going to float down to the ground like you got a... Like you got a big kite on your back. You know not even, your toe isn't going to be stubbed. When you float down 
to the ground, you're going to be surrounded with a crowd of people that are going to ooh and all and say, wow, how did you do that? And who is it that doesn't want to be in the middle of a bunch of fawning fans that think we're something really amazing? And so he's appealing to his pride. The same three temptations that Satan gave to Eve are the same three that he gave to Jesus and the same three that he gives to us. He's uh, knock him all you want, but he's really good at what he does. And uh, they've never had a split in hell. They never voted the preacher out and got him a new one. Um, in fact, I think demons probably understand unity much more than we do because they told Jesus one time, have you come to torment us before our time? So they know, uh, the Bible said, to whom is reserved chains. And uh, they, they know. And the how would you like to be a devil and you know you backed the wrong horse? You, you know you followed the wrong guy. And the uh, Bible said they left their first estate. So the only hope they have is staying together. They understand the power of staying together. And I think it's why they fight unity in the church so much. Because they have an understanding of unity and harmony much better than we do. And um, they ate this. Men have been fussing for years. It was the woman that got us in trouble. That's not what Romans 5 says. Romans 5 says, by one man, sin entered into the world, not by one woman. And uh, that's probably, I don't know, Galatians. It says, Eve was deceived, but Adam wasn't. And when she gave that to him, he knew perfectly well what's going on here. It said, their eyes were opened, and they tried to cover themselves. They felt exposed after they disobeyed God and they made an effort to cover themselves with leaves. That's the beginning of religion. Uh, If you want to know where, where religion starts, it starts in Genesis 3 and 7. Man's attempt to cover his guilt and his shame never, never works. Let me say something to you that may surprise you. God hates religion. (laughs) God loves relationship, not religion. Religion has fixed nothing. And the only way to deal with sin is for God to cover and cleanse us. It says, and Adam called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. And unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothe them. I don't have time to deal with this, but you know there's a lot of difference between an apron and a coat. (laughs) Uh, uh, Not only the amount of flesh that's covered, aprons don't cover a lot, coats do. But that's not the only thing the coat did. There's a difference between the quality of the covering. Leaves get brown and brittle and just fall apart, but not leather. It's a much more hardy covering. And the source is completely different because leaves don't cost you anything. 
But a coat is made from a skin which has resulted from the death of an innocent animal. So from the beginning, sin was covered by the shedding of innocent blood. He calls her Eve. It's a Hebrew word, Shavah, which means the mother, life giver. And when you think of it, she, of course, is the mother of us all. And ultimately, it said even she herself would be saved by childbearing. Ultimately, Eve gave birth to the Messiah, which was the savior of the world. And the word immediately takes us into the story of Cain and Abel. One's a farmer, the other is a shepherd. I, uh, I was with Renee Christmas shopping this week and uh, saw a police officer knocked on the window of his cruiser and he nervously looked at me and he very cautiously rolled it down and I said, hey, I just wanted to tell you you're doing a great job. And we're really very, very grateful for all that you do and for your service. He got out of his car and started talking to me, realizing I wasn't some goofy guy. And uh, just enjoyed having somebody appreciate him. I, uh, I do that on a regular basis. I, I, when I can, I always pay for the lunch or dinner of police officers. And uh, I, they don't know it's me. I get a kick out of doing it anonymously. But... Uh, uh, I think of firemen, teachers. This is an amazing, two of the most important parts of society, teachers and peace officers, get paid so pitifully. And uh, so you should thank every peace officer that you meet. You should thank every teacher for their service and their sacrifice. Yes, yes, you should. I'll add someone to the list. You, every farmer you ever meet, you ought to tell them thank you. <laughs> because if it wasn't for them boys, I, I was in Kroger's this week and they were out of milk. Them people were going out of their mind. There's no milk. What are we going to do? I was sure there was some other store had milk, but they were out. Thank God for guys with cows. You know, when you think of it, being a farmer, is the, that's really the first job God ever gave to a man. It's a God-ordained occupation. And uh, um, nothing wrong with being a farmer. My dad always said, if any group of people ought to serve God, it ought to be farmers. <laughs> totally dependent on the weather. And uh, um, listen to this verse. And Abel he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. But unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. Cain was mad, he was wroth, his countenance fell. There's been a lot of debate through the years. Why did God accept Abel's offering and deny Cain's offering? I think the answer is right here in these verses. I, I, I don't, you know, people say, well, God cursed the ground and Abel brought something from the cursed ground and, or Cain rather brought something from his garden from the cursed ground and Abel brought a firstling of the flock. 
And I, and I, I do believe there's a lot to say about sheep and firstlings of the flock, but I, I think the answer is right here. It says, and the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. I, I think the reason that God accepted Abel's offering is because God accepted Abel. And the reason God rejected Cain's offering was because God didn't respect Cain. I, I think the offerer trumps the offering. There's a place in the book of Matthew, it says, if you come to the altar and you're gonna bring your gift and you have aught with your brother, it says, you leave your gift at the altar. Go get right with your brother and then come back and give your offering to God. Because there are people who say, you know, I'm gifted and I'm talented and I've got all this stuff that you can't build a church without. You really, really, really need me. And uh, I, I, I was reading a thing a, a while ago and I saw a documentary on, a, on an old Motown group called The Temptations. And, um, and they, they, they were amazing guys, but there was a guy named David Ruffin. And David Ruffin had this amazing voice, but he wanted it to be known as David Ruffin and The Temptations. And they said, nobody's bigger than the, than the group here, David. And he said, no, we're going to rename it. It's going to be known as David Ruffin and the Temptations. And they said, uh, no, it's not. And, uh, and he, he said, you, you can't make it without me. And they said, well, we're going to try. And they did. I, I, you know, people, you bring your gift to the altar. Here you go, God. You're so blessed to have me. And God says, wait a minute, you got to audit with people. I'm not even going to let you take it away. Put your, all, put your gift down. Leave it at the altar. Go get right with your brother. Then come back and I'll accept your offering. Because you've got to get you right before you give your offering. It's Christmas time. Read the story in the book of Luke. And where they came, when they came to where the young child lay, it said they fell down and worshipped him first. And then they gave their gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. In other words, they gave themselves first before they gave their gift. And if we're not careful, we're going to think our gift trumps everything else. But be, before you make a sacrifice, if you want your sacrifice to be received, how about let's work on us first? Okay? And... and, and and it's not about the offering, it's about the offerer. He had respect unto Abel, no respect unto Cain. Why? Why? The, the answer is found in the book of Hebrews 11 and verse 4. It says, by faith, Abel offered. I like this, a more excellent sacrifice. I, I like that phrase. But, but the answer is there, by faith, Abel offered. Because you've got to pair that with a verse which is in Romans 10 and 17, it says, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So there's a progression. God had respect unto Abel. Why? Because he had faith. And you can't have faith unless you hear the voice of God. The reason Abel offered the sacrifice that he did was because he was in touch with God. And he could hear God's voice. And that's created the faith factor in his life. He's obeying the voice of God with his sacrifice. <laughs> so, so many people, you know, uh, the reason Cain was, was not accepted 
Uh, he didn't bring a blood offering. I, I think it's, it's, I think this faith is, is a big part of this formula. Yes. It, no, no wonder right after that, God spoke to Cain and said, sin's lying at your door. Right. <laughs> One heard from God and the other didn't. And, uh, but, but I can't diminish this firstling of the flock thing. I, I've taught you for years from Leviticus. It talks about herds and flocks. There are herds of cows, but flocks are sheep. It's not the same. You don't, you don't have a herd of sheep. It's a herd of cows. It's a flock of sheep. So when it says that he brought a firstling of the flock, it's a lamb. It's a lamb. And, it, and, it, and it, there's so much precedent in the scripture about that. I, we call first church, not because we want to be ahead of the Baptists or the Catholics or anybody else. The, the whole purpose behind the name for this church came from, well, what did they do in that original church? Yes. I, I found a word years ago called stare decisis. It's a, it's a Latin phrase that lawyers are familiar with. If you, if you ever need to be defended by a lawyer and you go into his office, he'll have all these books with these numbers, dozens and dozens and dozens of them if he's a, a real legit, they've all got these books. What are they? They are case, they are, they are previous rulings. And if this man's gonna defend you, he's gonna go through those, those previous court cases and he's gonna be able to create a defense for you Based on your honor, this situation that we're dealing with today is identical to one that happened seven years ago, and this is how the court ruled back then. And if they ruled back then, you need to rule the same way today. That's the concept of stare decisis, which means how did they rule in the beginning? I think that's the way you should approach the Bible. Were they filled with the Spirit or not? Did they baptize or did they sprinkle? Did they believe in divine healing or not? Was speaking in tongues in the Bible or not? How did it happen in the beginning? The Bible said make your peace calling an election sure. You need to be able to open up that Bible and say, I got baptized exactly the way those people did right there. I was filled with the Holy Spirit exactly the way that I was prayed for with a prayer of faith just like that. Or I'm praying a prayer of faith for someone else based on those scriptures. How did they do it in the beginning? How did they do it in the first church? And if they did it in that first church, then let's do it in this church. Let this be first church. Okay? It said they were called, the Bible said in the book of Acts, they were called Christians first at Antioch. There's no doubt in my mind there were businessmen there, medical people there. Who knows what other occupations were in it, but they were not known by their occupation. They were Christians first. So we got Dr. Shirley, but she's a Christian before she's a doctor, okay? I'm a pastor, but I gotta be a Christian before I'm a pastor. That trumps the other stuff. It's the same thing with church. It's, it's I, I want him to be first in our lives. I, I, I mentioned this to you recently. It's just, Jesus is known as the Prince of Peace. Again and again about Prince of Peace. But Prince, Prince is not a king. A prince is, is, is a king in waiting. There are verses in the Bible that said he's king of peace. But what that means is you've got to put him on the throne. I, I don't want to get sidetracked. I'm going to get sidetracked here, but I, every one of these services is different. I, 
I've heard people talk about the sovereignty of God for years. I don't believe in the sovereignty of God. Oh, God's in charge of everything. No, he's not. You know what the sovereignty of God creates? Pitiful victims of believers. Well, I guess I'll just have to tolerate this. You, you can understand there's a lot of difference between power and authority, ladies and gentlemen. God has all power. Don't ever doubt that. But when you, when you read these verses, God gave dominion to Adam. He gave dominion to him over everything that creepeth on the earth and everything that liveth on the earth. That's what it says. God limited himself by giving legal authority for this planet to Adam. But he gave that authority away when he bought into the lie. That's why when Satan confronted Jesus in Luke 4, he said, if you fall down and worship me, I'll give you the world. Watch. For it has been delivered unto me. Where did he get it from? He got it from Adam. Adam was the federal head of the human race. God gave him that authority. I can end up in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Satan is known as the God of this world. The God of this world. What are you talking about? I'm talking about a thing in Deuteronomy where it says, I have set before you this day life and death, blessing and cursing. Choose life. I'm telling you, there are places in this world. Listen to this verse. It's not his will that any should, oh, I've heard, oh, the will of God, the will of God, the will of God. The will of God is not the determining factor. The Bible said it's not his will that any should perish. Last time I checked, a lot have and will. Not the will of God, but they're still going to perish. Why? Because God has limited himself with the church. You have the ability. That's what covenants are all about in the Bible. He made covenants with people. And when you had a covenant with God, he was going to do something for you that he wasn't going to do for anybody else. That's why the Bible talks about vain repetition. It's called a suzerain covenant. They've dug these things up. Covenants that existed, legal documents that existed in the past. This is what the covenant with Abraham and all these other men, seven different covenants in the Bible. He, he, you, you, we, God is, is inviting you and I to enter into a blood covenant with him through our acceptance of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And when you enter into a blood covenant with Jesus, you now have the illegal authority to invite him into your situation. Don't just sit there and say, well, God's in charge of everything and I just, I'm just gonna have to go along with the ride. Oh, no, 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 no. He gave authority to Adam. It was stolen by Satan. But Colossians said he made a show of him openly, triumphing over him and nailed it to the cross. And thus in Acts 1 and 8, he said, I have given power to you when the Holy Ghost comes upon you. Get over this victim stuff. That you just got to tolerate stuff. I am a child of the most high God. It said boldly, boldly go into the throne of grace in the time of need. That's when we want to act like a panhandler. I see these guys standing out there. I saw a guy last week stinking, freezing gold. Sat out there all day long. You know, uh, I, 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 I'm, I'm homeless. I, I'll take anything you give me, even a smile. 
And it's like, if you can stand out there in 10 degree weather all day long, you can go to McDonald's, which will pay you 18 bucks an hour. I see people in the church like that, victims, victims. No, you're not, get over the victim to mentality. I taught you, I taught you about birds a couple weeks ago. Saw birds up on these wires. Saw them this morning with Ashley coming here. Why don't they fall asleep and fall off the wire? Because God put a special tendon in them that when they bend their knees, their, their talons close and they won't let go of the wire and they won't go let go of the tree limb. That's why they can sleep up in trees and not fall out. Why? Because when they bend their knees, they can hang on. Hallelujah. You don't want to fall, bend your knees. God's put a special thing in your spirit that will enable you to hang on if you'll bend your knees in prayer. Hallelujah. Jesus' name. This is so powerful because there's all of these concepts. You know, sin lies, the, the, the law of Moses, the Bible said, defines sin, okay? It defines sin. And yet, all the way back in Genesis 3, God talked to, 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 to Cain about, about sin. My, my father-in-law told me this years ago, and it was one of the greatest examples. I've, I've used it who knows how many times, but it, the value of truth is not diminished because of repetition, okay? It's just because you've heard it once doesn't mean it still isn't good the next time. Joseph, Joseph, everywhere Joseph goes, he gets promoted. I mean, he, he, he's, 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 he's the next to the youngest son of 12 boys, and yet it's obvious they're looking at him. They're all jealous of him. He's number 11 out of 12. But Judah's intimidated by him. Reuben, Simeon, he's, he's, he's literally leading the family. They sell him and he goes down to Potiphar's house. After a while, he's running Potiphar's house. He goes into prison on a trumped up rape charge. After a while, he's running prison. After a while, he gets, and, he, and he's running, the Bible calls him Zath Panath which means savior of the world. He, everywhere he went, like, like cream, he rises to the top. I mean, this guy gets sold by his brothers into, into this, obviously this well-heeled man in, in Egypt named Potiphar. Potiphar realizes in a very short amount of time, I got a good deal here. This Joe's a good guy. And he starts trusting more and more and more. And he says, oh, okay, here's the house key. You know, here's the car key. You know, you know here's, here's the combination to the safe. Here's, here's, the, here's the security code for the door. He's gone, and one day Potiphar's old lady tries to seduce Joseph. This is what Joseph said. This is, this is Genesis uh, after 39. He says, I can't do this sin against my God. Wait a minute. You're, you're, you're hundreds of years before Exodus 20, which said, thou shalt not commit adultery. Go ahead, Joe, and sleep with the old girl. There's no rule written about it. He had it in his heart. He didn't need to have it written down. Sacrifice. He, <laughs> look at Noah. Noah gets out of the ark. What's the very first thing? He, we're talking Genesis 8. Hundreds of years before Exodus 20. Noah gets out of the ark and he knows very specifically, I got to offer a sacrifice and I, I, I got to offer a clean animal. Now, if you're a Bible student of any, of any metal whatsoever, you know that clean animals and non-clean animals, that's Levitical terms. That's the book of Leviticus. That's stuff that happens back there with the tabernacle of Moses. This is a clean animal. This is not a clean animal. But 
way before that, Noah knows the difference between a clean animal and an unclean animal. And not only that, he understands the concept of sacrificing unto his God way before the law of Moses, just like Abel understood way before Moses that sacrificing God trumps the law. It's like tithing. People say tithing started with the law. It ended with the law. No, Abraham tithed hundreds of years before the law was ever given. Remember Jacob? He said, if God will be with me and keep me in the way that I go, give me raiment to eat or raiment to wear, food to eat and bring me back to my father's house in peace, then he will be my God and I'll pay my tithe. That's what it says. This is hundreds of years before the law. I'm trying to show you that these concepts are not limited to the law. He's the, thou shall not kill. That's Exodus 20 and verse 13. That's one of the commandments. But I'm telling you, way before the commandments were ever written, God said, where's your brother at, Cain? I'm not my brother's. Oh, yes, you are. And why was Cain punished? Because he killed his brother. That's a law concept. It, it, it goes on and on and on. God, God, God destroyed the world with water. Why? Because it says their wickedness was great. It doesn't take the law to describe or condemn evil. It was already in existence. So look at Sabbath, that seventh day. Man, that's a big deal in the law. Big deal in the Ten Commandments. It goes all the way back to Genesis 1 and 2. That God blessed that seventh day. There's something powerful in this creation account. Listen, listen to these first verses. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep. Spirit of God moved on the water. He said, let there be light. There was light. He saw the light. It was good. Divided the light from darkness. In the original language in Hebrew, it says the evening and the morning were day one. And, and, and so the, these words, evening, Arab, and, and morning, Bokor, the, 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 these, these original words, the original word for evening, most people believe meant chaos and darkness. I, I, I remember the, the first pair of really good binoculars that I got, Zeiss binoculars, good, good glass from Germany. I was so amazed because if, if you hunt, that when, when, when dust settles, you're pretty much done. But if you've got good binoculars, you can buy 10 more minutes because you can see stuff with good glass. You can't see with the naked eye. In the morning, you, you can see stuff before anybody else can see it. But the truth is, is that that darkness progresses. Those shapes and forms become indistinct. And, 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 and when the sun rises, we now have the ability to discern shapes and forms. I, 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 I got up last night and, and as I so often do, checking to see if it was snowing and I pulled the drape back and all of a sudden there was this thing at the end of my driveway and I'm going, what is that? Somebody's coming to rob us. But this morning it was the mailbox. <laughs> Looked like a robber at three in the morning. <laughs> this is what's happening on day one. If you remember when you studied science, it's, it's, they got these laws called thermodynamics. And thermodynamics have these two cool words called entropy and enthropy. Basically, it means things go from order to chaos. In other words, if you throw a piece of wood outside in your yard and leave it there, it's not going to get better. It's going to rot. If you take a piece of metal and throw it outside and just leave it there, it's not going to get shiny. It's going to rust. Things go from order to 
to chaos. <laughs> it's, it's, as time goes on, there's this thing called entropy that, ta- that takes over. Systems, things fall apart. They, they, they slow down. There's a loss of order. Motion creates heat. And, 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 and you've got to understand that order and design are the opposites of randomness and chaos. Blame, blame it all on, on the release of carbon emissions. I, time named Elon Musk the man of the year. I, I heard him give a speech a couple weeks ago. It was amazing. He said, I intend to take the word fiction out of science fiction. You, you look at Elon Musk and, and, and Bezos and, and, and uh, Richard Branson. These, these guys, they, they want to take you to heaven without Jesus. And they, 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 they want you, they, they literally believe we're going to build a, a new world on Mars. Why? Because this one's messed up. And it is. But it's all about carbon footprint. Carbon footprint. You're releasing so much carbon into the atmosphere. We're getting, we're getting so duped in this country and in this town. All these car makers. In five years, every car's going to be electric. Not Harold. I'm just, I just, I'm still going to have a truck. I'll probably have to give up sooner or later. But I, I, I just, we're, we're, we're going to shove these things down your throat. Why? Now, now, now China can burn all the coal they want and India can burn all the coal they want and South America can do everything they want. But we're going we're gonna to have electric cars and we're going to change the atmosphere of the world. Pastor, don't you believe in global warming? No, I believe in thermodynamics. I believe that things wind down. This thing's winding down. The seas are dirty. The oceans are filthy. The air is filthy. Romans chapter 8 says creation, not creature, creation is groaning, waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. Read the book of Malachi. It said, let the bride come out of her closet. And I know I'm getting live streamed and I'm probably going to get beat up for saying this. But years ago, all of a sudden, the gays came out of the closet and the lesbians came out of the closet. Now the transgenders are coming out of the closet. I want to know when the church is going to come out of her closet. I want to know when we're going to leave all of this intimidation and all this fear that we're, we're so buried in and let the church be the church. I'm not talking about arrogance. I'm talking about confidence that I believe I'm a child of the most high God. I believe I have the authority through the blood and name of Jesus to invite his power into a situation and change it. I believe that. And, and, and it's just, it's just, it's like a spinning top. It's running out of gas. New stars are blue. Old stars are red. Our sun is a star. It's red. It's old. Read the Bible. It's going to be gone. Every field of science recognizes this truth except evolutional botanists or biologists rather. They truly believe that randomness will result in order. That we were all started out as single cell organisms. Now we're upright. I want to know who's telling the truth. Evolution or thermodynamics? We can tidy up, pick up your room, you know, do the dishes, organize your closet. But I'm telling you that when God steps in, he can make order out of chaos. 
I don't have time to deal with this because this subject is huge. But when you study Genesis 1 and 2, there are six stages of creating order from chaos. He divides light from darkness and divides the waters and creates grass and trees and animal and fish. Wouldn't it, wouldn't it be horrible? Wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be horrible if, if you had fish and no water to swim in? Wouldn't it be horrible if everybody's treading water? Thank God for dirt. Thank God for, don't you see the progression? And it's just, it's, it, this is all a progression that, that you gotta get, the, you gotta get the plants there for the animals to eat. Don't create the animals with nothing to eat. It's all in step, it's all in cadence. And he crowns his creation with man and woman. Male and female. <laughs> My head's spinning right now because just that phrase amazes me. Male and female created he them. See, if we all evolve from the same bacteria, doesn't it seem logical we'd all be the same gender? Shouldn't we all be male or all be female? How'd they change? We're the variety, the fusion of a large egg by a tiny sperm cell. It's, it's anisogamy. It's, it's it, the, the very existence today puzzled the most brilliant minds, even in the 21st century. How in the world did we get a man and a woman? I, I get so frustrated when scientists say, well, this system might have evolved for these reasons. You can't test their explanations. They can't prove or disprove what they're saying. That's not science, that's biological storytelling. I, someone sent me something wonderful this week. They said, we're being told, trust the science, trust the science, trust the science. That's the most anti-science statement ever because questioning science is how you do science. Just a thought. And of all of this chaos comes disorder. There are so many wonderful things here. And it says this. The evening and the morning were the first day. And the evening and the morning were the second day. And it does all that through six. But when you come to the seventh day, there's no evening or morning mentioned. Why? It's in perfect harmony. That's why Romans chapter 8 and verse 21 says, because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption. This is what the NIV says that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage of decay. I, I built a house last year. He said, oh, you're not going to have a water bill. We're gonna, you're going to have a well. Oh, that's a good idea. So we get a well. Except my mom and my girl, I live in a house of women, see? They got hair. Lots of hair. They don't want well water. They want the good stuff. It's softer when we shampoo our hair. Yeah, but I got no water bill. Well, we, we need city water. Oh, so I got to pay 2,000 bucks for them to dig a pipe underneath the road just to get it to my house. That's not the hookup for the house. That's another 1,500 bucks. But you got you to you get all this going. And so then the people come, they want to sell me a swimming pool. And they said, can we test your water? Oh yeah, it's good city water. The guy laughs. He said, the water that you're drinking, we wouldn't even allow in our swimming pools. 
This is city water. But you don't want the other water because the city of Warren had a landfill there in 1940 and they dumped all their trash there for 30 years. So there's all these aquifers and all this stuff. And it's like, well, I, 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 got, I got a brand new house and, and the water's no good because of all this stuff that's happened years and years and years ago. Do you realize there's an island in the Pacific that is swirling out there from the tsunami that was in Japan years ago? It's bigger than some of our states. It's just sitting there. If that dude ever hits California, it will wipe out the west, the left coast. It's just going to destroy the fishing industry and on and on it goes and all these boats that are trying to unload from China. It's, it's just, wait, wait, this, this, listen to this. It says it, there's coming a day when, when creation is going to be liberated from the bondage of decay. I mean, look at Noah. Do you, 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 Noah lived to be 950, but look at his boy, Shem. 602 years old. A third of age is gone. Read your Bible. It's, just, it's, it's decay. It's entropy. Things are spinning down. They're going from grade ages to three score and ten. It's just, it, it, it's amazing. Here's, here's, here's that scripture in Romans 8 and 22. Creation groans and travails in pain. Here's 8 and 19. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. That, this is Romans 8. That's what makes Romans 9 so powerful because Romans 9 is that whole thing that I just taught you about two hours ago. It's just, yes, God is all powerful, but you are a part of the body of Christ and you must understand your place in all of this. Yes, he is, has all power, but he has limited himself. That's what the incarnation was all about. Do you realize that, that, that they could slap his face? Do you realize they could drive nails in his hands? They could drive nails in his feet? I... They, 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 this, this, this stuns me. How, listen to this verse. It says, you meant it to me for evil, but, but God meant it to me for good. Listen to this verse that says, all things work together for those who are the called, the called, not just called, the called according to his purpose. What, what could be worse? What, the greatest injustice in the history of the world is taking the only perfect person that has ever lived on this planet and subject him to an unjust murder. That's about the lousiest thing that I can think of, but that is also one of the greatest things that I can ever think of because out of Calvary came our redemption. This whole thing is death, burial, and resurrection. This God that we serve has the ability to take very, 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 very bad things and bring something really, really, really good out of something really, really, really bad. My, 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 I've gone all around the barn here to try and get something in your head here today. Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. We are serving a God of yesterday. I, I've got all these files in my office. I, I was going to bring them out here, but I got dozens and dozens and dozens of them. They're history. They're things that have changed. They're problems that have been solved. One file after another. This is the God that we serve. We are not serving a novice. We are not serving, serving some, some, some minute deity who's scratching his head saying, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm grateful that I'm not serving a Jesus that second guesses himself. He's the same yesterday. Not another one. The very same God that did it yesterday is still on the throne right now. And there, I want you to stand with me because here we are. I, I, I love this time of the year because I don't know about you, but man, I said some dumb stuff this last year that I wish I could 
I could take back, but I can't. I've, 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 I've said some things. I've thought some things. I've made some very bad decisions in this past. But, 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 but God, God has designed the odometer of time to roll over in just a few short days. That we literally, it's a, like a breath of fresh air. More people commit suicide in the next 10 days than in any time of the year. Why? Because they just, just avalanche with nothing's going to change. It's always going to be the same. Am I speaking to somebody right now that you're dealing with a situation in your home and you've got a prodigal boy or a prodigal girl and you say what in the world am I going to do let me introduce you to the God of yesterday let me introduce you to a God that again and again and again and again and again he has mended and repaired families he's brought prodigals the Bible said the prodigal came to himself hallelujah I've always loved the story of the prodigal son because when the boy came back the, the dad said it says this, kill, kill the fatted calf. Or you can read it like this, kill the fatted calf. I like that better because what that tells me is when the boy left, instead of dad imploding and just losing all of his faith, like pulling the plug out of the bathtub, he told his servants, cut that young steer out of the herd and you feed him extra grain and extra hay and extra groceries because my boy's coming home soon. And when he comes home, we're going to have a picnic and we're not going to have to go down to Myers or we're not going to have to go down to, down to Kroger's to get some T-bones. We're going to have it ready. When he said kill the fatted calf, it's obvious to me those servants knew exactly which cow he was talking about. So if you're here today, you got a boy, you got a girl driving you out of your mind, scaring you to death, with some of the decisions they've made. Let me, let me introduce you to the God that's the same yesterday. The God that's done this for lots of families before your family. Your marriage is under attack. You really think that Jesus that I'm talking about right now said, well, I've fixed other marriages, but that one's really bad, Harold. That, that one's DOA. I'm sorry. Just, 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 just put a tombstone on it. No, 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 no. The Bible said, if all you got is a piece of an ear or a tail, I can put the thing back together again. I, 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 I am appealing to you right now. Is your life in chaos? Is there stuff? There are people in this room that need a job. Let me tell you about the Jesus of yesterday. A Jesus that knows where every great job is in this community. There are, there are employers all over this city looking for people that'll show up on time. Give them an honest day's work for an honest day's wage. People that won't steal. Who won't come to work drunk. Who, who leave early. These are episodes. We, 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 we have a company called Casco. I think there are six men in the church now work for Tom Buchanan's company called Casco. He called me recently and he said, Pastor, the six guys you gave me are the best guys I've ever had on our teams. He said, I've promoted all of them to be supervisor. Just give me as many as you can. First church men are the best workers we ever had. Man, that just made me swell with pride and say, boy, boy, boy." Now come with me. Come with me around this altar right now. We're going to spend some time singing and worshiping and reaching out to a God right now because you have to understand you have the authority in the word to turn your to turn your prayers into praise. Make your request known with thanksgiving. You think for something after it happened, right? It says faith is the evidence of things not seen. Evidence is always something that happens after. But when you manifest a life of faith, it's literally evidence that something's not going to happen, but something already has. Lift your hands with me. Lord Jesus, 
I appeal to you right now, Holy God. This, this, this chaos thing never intimidated you back then. Chaos never frightened you yesterday. And you're the same today that you were then. Lord, I'm so grateful to be coming to a God with a past. I'm grateful to be coming to a, to a, to a master that is not, not, not worried, scratching his head, wondering what you're going to do next. But you are here today. The Lord Almighty, omnipotent reigneth. We understand according to your word. I have the ability to choose life or death. I have the the ability to choose blessing or cursing. I'm going to choose life. I'm going to choose blessing. I'm going to choose God's favor on my life. In the name of Jesus, I'm asking you right now. Father, I'm going into covenant with you. I don't take that word lightly. I'm making an agreement with you. That there are words that I used to say, I'm not going to say them anymore. Things I used to say, I'm not thinking like that anymore. I want the meditations of my of my heart. I want my thought life to be renovated because I realize words originate in thoughts. I realize that my actions originate in my thought life. So I'm asking you, Lord, that the meditations of my heart and the words of my mouth and the steps of my feet will be acceptable in your sight. I want to walk up your hill. I want to get to the top of this thing, Lord, where the Holy of Holies is, but no one's going in there and that they have clean hands and a pure heart lifted up their heart to vanity or pride. Father, right now, I appeal to you for every family that's represented in this room right now. Every bit of chaos, every lack of order, I'm asking you, we're inviting you to come into our life, straighten it out, do what you have to do, turn the lights on, make stuff grow what it never grew before. I'm asking you, Lord, that there be dominion over things that have taken control over my life. In the name of Jesus, I'm asking you right now, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. There is no one like you. There is none beside.